The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. Michelle Lai, is a hepatologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, one of the top liver health centers in the country. And she's also an assistant professor in medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Lai is here today on Health Watch to talk about her new book, co-authored with dietitian Asha Kasaraneni, called The Liver Healing Diet, the MD's nutritional plan to eliminate toxins, reverse fatty liver disease, and promote good health. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Michelle Lai. Thank you for having me. So before we talk about the liver healing diet, Dr. Lai, let's talk about the liver. Um, can you acquaint our listeners to what the liver does in the body? Sure. You know, the the liver has multiple functions, and it's, you know, that's how I got interested because I find it fascinating. Um, it um, Some of the main functions that are really important is that detoxifies your liver. So when you take in, you know, food and um, herbs or supplements or any sort of other medications, it breaks down the compounds to something less toxic to your body, and it's your first-line defense to try to um, make things that could hurt you into something that's more benign. Um, it also sort of is a warehouse for, uh, in, for trafficking of, like, nutrients. So if you take in extra sugar... Um, or fat, it, it stores it and tries to put it into storable forms um, and then, you know, process it and releases it when you need it. It makes a lot of proteins that are important to your, you know, normal bodily functions. So there are a number of um, important vital functions that are needed by your liver. So when your liver is not working well, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. Well, another interesting thing that you bring up in the liver healing diet is that even if somebody has a liver that is struggling for some reason, there aren't always uh, early symptoms that would be indicative that your liver isn't functioning. Um, can you talk more about um, some of these p- potentially subclinical issues around liver function and, and people walking around with liver conditions without knowing that they have them? Yeah, definitely. So, you, you know, your liver is a really resilient organ and, uh, even when you're having inflammation or ongoing damage, it's able to compensate and try to, you know, keep up. And so most people with chronic liver diseases um, don't have any symptoms. So your chronic hepatitis C, which is an infectious disease, or your fatty liver disease, um, and they, you know, they're able to keep up. They're walking around um, and don't know it until it gets to the very end stage where the liver just isn't able to keep up and it starts developing signs that it's failing. And at that point, you know, the ways to reverse it becomes um, very limited. And so, you know, it's good and bad. The good is that, you know, you're not having symptoms and you're functioning. But the bad is that a lot of times it goes undiagnosed. And a lot of times people are diagnosed when they go to their primary care doctor for their annual checkup and they get blood tests and the doctor notices that your blood test is abnormal or, you know, they're applying for life insurance and they get a blood test and they're told, you know, your liver test is high. And that can sometimes be how people are diagnosed. Well, it was interesting to learn about fatty liver disease, that um, not only is it the most common cause of liver disease in the U.S., but that 25% of adults in the United States have fatty liver disease. So 
tell, and probably a lot of these people don't know that they have it. So tell us what fatty liver disease is and, and why people should care that they have fatty liver disease. Yeah. So, you know, fatty liver disease can be caused by a number of um, causes and the most common cause um, nowadays, so the most common causes are, you know, if you have drink too much alcohol or if you have excess weight or if you've gained weight or have diabetes and the reason why it's the most common liver disease right now, and it's projected to be, you know, up to a quarter of people in the um, United States is that, you know, we've, as a whole country, we've gained a lot of weight and we have an obesity epidemic. And so, you know, the weight gain has predisposed people to developing fatty liver disease along with a whole host of other things, such as diabetes, high cholesterol, um, heart disease, it all kind of travels together. It's basically your body is stressed from this excess weight and it develops all these problems. Um, and we, we know the risks of not addressing uh, obesity or not addressing diabetes, but are there risks to not addressing fatty liver disease specifically? Yeah, so definitely. You know, if you take everybody with fatty liver disease, you know, some of them will have fat in the liver. It's fairly, you know, benign. The they sort of have the fat, but not a lot of inflammation, and they're, it's something else that will kill them, you know, the diabetes or, some, or cholesterol. But it's, an, it's indicative that your body's stressed and that it's not at a health, like a happy or healthy weight. And I tell people that the weight that your body's healthy at will vary, you know, so because they'll say, well, this person next to me is much bigger than me, and why don't they have these problems? So partly it's genetic, part, partly it's, you know, um, it's certain races or ethnicity will develop at a lower weight. Um, but there is, a, you know, a third of the patients with fatty liver disease has a lot of inflammation. They, they will have a lot of inflammation and, you know, resulting in scarring of the liver, and they can progress to cirrhosis. So, you know, we're projecting by 2020 that fatty liver disease will be the top reason why people are needing a liver transplant. Um, and what a liver transplant is, is when your liver's, you know, uh, when you have cirrhosis and your liver's in failure or you've developed liver cancer, um, you take a healthy liver from a donor and you replace your diseased liver to try to, because otherwise you would die. Um, and it's not the best option. It's a very invasive procedure. It's people, it's got high mortality and you know, we really just want to prevent people from heading that way. So, Dr. Lai, if, if 25% of the adult population have some form of fatty liver disease and most don't know it, is that because there isn't a great test to, to screen for it? Or is, that, is it more that people aren't getting screened for it? Um, I think it's more that people aren't getting screened for it. Um, you know, I think the uh, official recommendation on screening is still sort of not there um, because right now, um, you know, the, the, the take on it is that, well, if you screen and you find it, the recommendation or the treatment would be eat better, exercise, lose weight. And in people who are overweight, you would still tell them regardless of whether they have fatty liver disease. So I think, you know, it, um, sort of the critics of screening is saying, it's not going to change management regardless. This is a population with risk of other mortality and other diseases from their excess weight, and so they should still be doing these things regardless of whether they have fatty liver disease. 
Um, what, but, what what would be the test that uh, a patient would ask for if they wanted to specifically know? Yeah, so your your very basics would be to get blood tests that shows what we call liver enzymes to see if they're elevated, and an ultrasound um, can see if you have fat in your liver. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to hepatologist Dr. Michelle Lai about her book, The Liver Healing Diet. Well, one of the nice things about the liver healing diet is you talk about how often fatty liver disease is reversible, and I'm guessing that's partly because of how regenerative the liver is and forgiving the liver is in general. Uh, what? Tell us some of the um, dietary advice that you tend to give for people with fatty liver disease. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think part of the reason why we have the country has this obesity epidemic, and not just our country, but, you know, throughout the developed world is, uh, you know, some of the reasons are that we, we eat a diet that's very packed in added sugar and fat. Um, it's very processed. Um, and so, you know, the mainstay of my, you know, advice is to try to cut out those foods. Um, you know, your, your sugary beverages are one, and we've seen studies linking and consumption of sugary beverages with childhood obesity, with other a, a whole host of other problems. You know, you're, when you take in excess sugar, your liver has to store it. And if you have too much um, than you're using, then it develops a fat and inflammation in the liver. Um, serve your saturated fats as well. Um, you know, we have a diet that's very high in sodium. Just your overall processed foods and not enough of the vegetables and lead protein. So, you know, it's not a radical diet. It's a very sort of sensical diet. Um, and the main thing is the exercise. You know, as a country, we're not moving enough. And lack of physical activity has been shown to increase uh, mortality, and that's been shown in multiple studies. So, you know, my, my main push for the diet is to cut out all the added sugars, cut out the, you know, the unhealthy fried foods, the saturated fats, um, and really sort of go with your whole grains and lean protein and vegetables. So you mentioned that when our body gets excess carbohydrates, um, that the liver will convert it to fat and store it. Um, and you, and you also just mentioned the, the need to reduce saturated fats. Is, is that your thought on fats in general? Are you generally leaning towards a low fat diet or are people encouraged to eat good fats, uh, or, no. Or is there yeah. a limit to good fats? If people are eating, say, cold water fish or pasture-raised uh, chickens and their eggs, do you feel like those are things that should be uh, curtailed even if they have a good form of fat? No, you know, I, I don't, I tend not to tell people to limit the good fats because you do get other health benefits. And, and fat also slows your stomach emptying. So it, it, it helps fill you up. You feel full with the fat. And, but I, you know, there is a difference between good fat and bad fat. So I tell people definitely go with the foot fat, good fats, the omega three. They're of benefit. Um, you know, you also want to look at your total caloric intake compared to what you're, you know, expending. So if you're not exercising, you're eating a ton of good fats, even though it's um, good for you. You could still gain weight, and the overall weight gain is still detrimental. So it's sort of a, I mean, you know, I think everything about life is really about balance. And, you know, you want to go with the healthy fat, but you also do want to not overdo anything as with everything else. 
And do you, is there anything that's specific to a good liver diet versus a good diet in general? Because a lot of these recommendations sound to me like they're also applicable to cardiovascular diabetes management. Do you feel like um, there are any particular foods that have an affinity towards liver health? Um, so in general, it's pretty much the same because, you know, our, our whole bodies are tied together, right? And when we, when we talk about fatty liver, we think of it as part of the metabolic syndrome. And when we talk about metabolic syndrome, we mean, you know, your diabetes, high cholesterol, hyper, high blood pressure, all resulting in increased risk of heart disease. So they're all sort of part of the same process when your liver is stressed. And so the, the diet's pretty similar. You know, a couple of things that, you know, might be more helpful, has been shown to help in liver, is, you know, coffee has, there's quite a bit of data on coffee being helpful in preventing damage to the liver. You know, I tell people if you're, you know, having a lot of palpitations and, you know, other issues with coffee, like don't push it or if it makes your stomach upset. But, you know, if you like coffee, um, you know, it's it's been shown to helpful be, to be helpful for the liver, but just don't dump a lot of sugar and cream in it. Um, you know, vitamin E has been shown to be helpful. Um, there's a study on it where they looked at, you know, giving people vitamin E versus other things, including placebo. And in half the patients who got vitamin E, there's some decrease in inflammation and fat. Um, but these were done in patients without diabetes. And, you know, if you know, only half of them responded. And vitamin E can have other sort of long-term risks. So right. you want to talk about it with your doctor. It's definitely you know, a complicated and, picture in the science around vitamin E right now, it seems. Correct. And so, you know, I don't throw everybody on vitamin E. I really look at their specific situation, how severe their liver disease is, and their risk factors for other possible long-term complications or risks from vitamin E. And then there's a, you know, I think with every intervention or everything we do, we need to look at risk-benefit ratio. Is what I'm, is what I'm doing or taking more risky than the benefit I'm getting? And if it is, then you know I wouldn't recommend it. Well, a lot of one thing that I see as a recommendation throughout the liver healing diet for a variety of different liver diseases that you you talk about is a vitamin D supplementation. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the rationale of why vitamin D might be a helpful intervention for liver conditions, whether it's viral hepatitis or, or fatty liver disease? Yeah, so we found that people with chronic liver disease, so inflammation in the liver, um, has, have a high risk of low vitamin D um, or vitamin D deficiency. And um, so, you know, I work and practice in Boston where we don't get a lot of sun. So that probably also increases the risk of people not you know, having more vitamin D deficiency. There's some link between vitamin D deficiency and more inflammation in the liver, but that could, there's, you know, it's unclear chicken or the egg. Your, your liver is responsible for processing vitamin D into the active form. So it could be that an, an inflamed liver is not able to do that. That's why you have vitamin D deficiency, or it could be the other way around. Um, but vitamin D has been shown to be important in sort of immuni- immunity and bone health. And so, you know, I, because um, when you have chronic liver disease, you're at high risk for vitamin D deficiency. It's one of the things I really sort of monitor and check for. Would it be fair to say that vitamin D deficiency is more common in people with liver disease, but we don't yet know if correcting that makes a difference in terms of outcomes around liver disease? Correct. I mean, there have been for specific diseases like hepatitis C in the past, 
um, when the treatment was different, they showed that if you correct the vitamin D, you responded to the treatment better. Um, but for sort of the other liver diseases, you know, we still don't know whether correcting vitamin D would improve your, uh, the state of your liver. Well, another area, another area that's sort of got mixed science is around uh, what benefits taking fish oil as a supplement, uh, wh- what areas in which it's going to end up being a, a good intervention versus one that doesn't do much. And, but one area in cardiovascular disease where it feels like um, uh, there has been demonstrated benefit for, for fish oil supplementation is mm-hmm. the lowering of triglycerides. And I wonder... Right if you use fish oil supplements for liver conditions, if it ends up uh, lowering the conversion of carbohydrates into fats by the liver, for instance? Yeah, so it, I do. Um, so fish oil, uh, so one of the um, risk factors for fatty liver disease is triglycerides, uh, high triglycerides. And, you know, the fatty deposits in the liver are triglycerides. And so, you know, I do use fish oil to, when some if a patient has high triglycerides and fatty liver, I do use fish oil to try to lower that and see if it will help. Um, you know the, you know when we look at sort of data in terms of making recommendations, um, we are pretty rigorous and we want to have you know big groups of patients with placebo-controlled trials to see if it really does make a difference. And we don't have that yet, but I. Uh, I believe there's a trial ongoing, so we'll see if that will pan out. Um, but fish oil, you know, generally um, there, you know, isn't known bad risks. So I do recommend it because the risk-benefit ratio at this point, you know, from my standpoint, if someone's triglycerides is high, is worth a, a trial. In case you just tuned in, we're talking to hepatologist Dr. Michelle Lai about her book, The Liver Healing Diet. Dr. Lai, you have a section in the book uh, called Detoxify Your Body, and you talk about some things that can lower the toxic burden on our bodies and, and subsequently on our livers. Um, let's talk about some of those things. Um, for instance, uh, you, you suggest avoiding cured meats. Tell, tell us why uh, cured meats in particular would be a bad choice for someone who, who's got a less than optimally functioning liver. Yeah, so the high-sodium diet, you know, cured meats are... You know, when you cure, the curing process requires a lot of salt and sodium. So, uh, you know, a high-sodium diet um, exacerbates a lot of the um, sort of other metabolic parts, like high blood pressure, raises your high blood pressure, has been associated with, you know, sort of worse outcome, um, you know, for your heart. Um, But also, you know, if you have cirrhosis, if you've progressed advanced liver disease, you have trouble handling sodium, and so when you eat a lot of salt, you can get fluid retention. You can have something called ascites, which is fluid buildup in your abdomen, um, and you can get swelling in your legs. And so uh, in those patients, it's especially important to just really eliminate any salt from their diet, and cured meats, are, you know, that's how they cure it. They put a lot of salt in it. And you also recommend uh, using a water filter at home. Uh, what what exactly are you concerned about in the in the typical water supply that would potentially be an added stressor? Yeah, so you know some heavy metals, mercury. You know, patients with or, um, a rare disease where you can have excess copper. Um, there can be copper in some of the pipes and uh, water supplies. So you're you know, talking about out... Wilson's disease, correct? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and 
Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, please. No, and so just filtering out some of those heavy metals. And and I'm assuming you you would recommend a zero tolerance around alcohol for people with viral hepatitis. Do you feel the same way about people who have more functional problems with their liver, say fatty liver disease that's not alcoholic in nature? Or how do you counsel people around alcohol consumption who don't have, yeah. viral, who don't have viral hepatitis? Yeah. So, you know, uh, alcohol also causes this fat and inflammation in the liver. And, you know, my general policy is try tell people to try to avoid it completely if they can, or be very, very uh, moderate and rare with your alcohol intake. And is there any difference from one thing to another? You know, there's potentially some added benefit for wine over beer for someone for heart disease. Does that make any difference with regards to liver disease? No. Um, I think uh, for me, you know, my my personal take on it is that um, you have, you already have one toxin to your liver, which is the excess weight. And adding another toxin, such as alcohol, um, just I, you know, I I don't think it's unlikely to help. And if you have more severe scarring, I definitely tell people to stay away completely. And, um, and that there's no difference between wine or beer or liquor in terms of its effect on the liver. And let's speak more. Um, a little bit more about sugars. You had mentioned earlier reducing processed foods and and sugars in particular, and added sugars. Are there sugars that are are better or worse than others? I know that fructose and and glucose are processed differently with regards to the liver. So, is there one um, category of sugars that people should lean towards versus others? Yeah, so um, so overall, I tell people to just, you know, avoid too much added sugar in general. Um, Fructose has been shown to be associated and cause more inflammation in the liver. Um, But I I think, you know, I I just don't want people to take away the message like, well, fruit has fructose, so I should avoid fruit. Um, I tell people, look, if, you know, fruit juice is different from fruit because if you have a glass of orange juice, it could have several oranges. So you have sugar from several oranges in that one glass. Whereas if you eat an orange, you get the fiber, you feel full, you get other, you know, the vitamin C. You're, you know, you're you're going to have a lot less of the sugar in that one serving, but get a lot more benefits and feel full from it. Um, so I tell people to just, you know, eat the fruit, avoid the juice, even though there is fructose in fruit. Um, it's your really concentrated high amounts of fructose. So when you have a juice, you're using several fruit in one glass, and so you're going to have a lot more sugar. And then your um, sodas, you know, you have your um, high fructose corn syrup, which is a very concentrated form of fructose. Um, would you then, then would you then also uh, give similar advice around grains, that it would be better to eat a, a boiled whole grain than the grain that's been ground into flour? Yes. Um, and, you know, because you do get other health benefits from, like, the fiber and other stuff and whole grain and other nutrients and whole grain, and it fills you up more. So um, I do encourage, and one of the things we recommend is to go with the whole grain um, and go with the less processed food because the more you process, the more the nutrients get taken out. And, and you mentioned earlier the importance of exercise, particularly in fatty liver disease. What would be your 
typical exercise recommendations for, um, in terms of intensity and length and um, type of exercise? Sure. So, um, you know, I try to personalize it, but, you know, your ideal is to get at least um, 75 minutes a week of what we call vigorous intensity cardiovascular exercise on top of some resistance training. And by vigorous intensity, you know, you're really, your heart rate's up, you're sweating, and you're breathing hard. So you shouldn't be able to have like a full-length, long conversation with the person, your friend who's your exercise buddy if you're doing vigorous intensity. And we're talking about like running or spinning, things where your heart rate's really up and you're breathing hard. Um, your moderate intensity were, um, you know, is sort of defined by your heart rate's up and you're sweating. Um, and that we recommend 150 minutes of it over the week. And so, you know, people will say, should I do small amounts and break it up or long, like a long amount and less sessions? It's whatever you can get in. I mean, look, I recognize that people have families, people have jobs, people are busy. Um, so however you can get in that exercise, um, it's going to be beneficial. Um, but, you know, given that if someone is completely sedentary, has never run, you know, I'm not going to expect them to go and, you know, run like five miles um, because, you know, what usually happens is they feel terrible, you know, everything aches, and then they give it up after a couple of days. So I say work your way up to that, um, but really see where your starting point is and really sort of increase intensity and duration um, as you can, you know, as you get into it. And really just look at whatever is enjoyable because that's what's going to keep you exercising. Is there a, a website um, for you or for the for the book by chance? Um, yeah. So um, you know, I I'm at the Beth Israel Deaconess, and um, we do have a fatty liver, and I run the Fatty Liver Disease Clinic. And so it's bidmc.org/nafld, um, which um, stands for Non-Alcoholic Fatty Liver Disease. Um, and there is uh, the the book is on Amazon. Um, okay, great. You, it was a pleasure having you on Health Watch today, Dr. Lai. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking today to hepatologist Dr. Michelle Lai about her book, The Liver Healing Diet, the MD's nutritional plan to eliminate toxins, reverse fatty liver disease, and promote good health. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine. <laughs> 